0: This is Newsfeed on Purple Radio.
1: Hello, everyone. I'm Naomi Clark, and welcome back to Newsfeed with Purple Radio's news team—the one, only, and best affairs show at Durham University. Tonight we're going to bring you a discussion into the election campaign debate, UCU strikes and the UK Drag Race. Breaking news. Alongside a whole host of headlines in the news and highlights Good from evening. the world of entertainment and the media. The UK
2: government so to is to June repatriate the, the first British citizens update. from the area of northeastern Syria, formerly under the control of the Islamic State group. It is planned that the individuals being brought out of the region will be returned to the UK in the coming days. This development comes after a number of months after the defeat of the terrorist organization in March 2019. The UK has been reluctant to take back citizens from the area. The United Nations urged countries to take responsibility for their own citizens unless they are to be prosecuted in Syria in accordance with international standards. Human Rights Watch has described government facilitated repatriations of foreign nationals as piecemeal. Labour has launched its general election manifesto, promising to transform the UK and to renationalise rail, mail, water and energy. Amongst the pledges on the party's manifesto, leader Jeremy Corbyn also vowed a green transformation of the economy, aiming to get the UK on track for a net zero carbon system by the 2030s. Hayes Travel, which bought Thomas Cook after it collapsed, has announced plans to hire an extra 1,500 staff. The travel agent has already taken on 2,330 former Thomas Cook employees. But now Hayes plans to hire another 200 people at its head office in Sunderland, an extra 500 to handle foreign exchange and an apprentice at each of its 737 branches. Hayes took on all of Thomas Cook's 555 shops in October after the travel agent spectacularly collapsed earlier this year. It is now expanding further. John Hayes, who runs the travel agent with his wife Irene, said, We're further increasing staffing to ensure we have the highest customer service levels across all of our stores and our head office functions. Israel's Attorney General has charged Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu with bribery, fraud, and breach of trust in connection with three separate cases. Mr. And Netanyahu is alleged to have accepted gifts from, from wealthy businessmen and dispensed favors to try to get more positive press coverage. He denies wrongdoing and says he is the victim of a witch hunt by his left-wing opponents and the media. He has insisted he will not resign and is not legally obliged to do so. Alex Salmond has appeared in court over charged with carrying out a series of sexual offences against 10 women while serving as Scotland's First Minister. Mr Salmon faces a total of 14 charges at the High Court in Edinburgh. He denies all the allegations, which include one attempted rape, one intent to rape, 10 sexual assaults and two indecent assaults.
1: Thank you very much, Matt. That was the breaking news. Next up we're going to have is the politics with Annie Derry.
3: Good evening in Politics This Week. On Tuesday, Boris Johnson and Jeremy Corbyn clashed during the ITV election debate. Corbyn repeatedly declined to say how he would campaign in a second EU referendum, while the Labour leader attacked the Prime Minister over the NHS and public services. Corbyn accused the Prime Minister of being ready to sell off the NHS to US corporations. The Conservatives have been accused of misleading the public after they rebranded their official Twitter account as Fact Check UK during the televised leaders' debate and used it to publish anti-Labour posts. Labour has launched its General Election Manifesto, promising to transform the UK and to re rail, mail, water and energy. Leader Jeremy Corbyn also vowed a green transformation of the economy, aiming to get the UK on track for a net-zero carbon system by the 2030s. The manifesto sets out plans for a windfall tax on oil firms and scrapping rises in the state pension age. Mr Corbyn said his offer to voters was radical and would mean real change. On Brexit, Labour says it wants to renegotiate a new Brexit deal, incorporating a close relationship with the EU, which would then be put to a legally binding referendum. Prime Minister Boris Johnson has reacted to Labour's manifesto, saying that none of this has any economic credibility. The Duke of York has announced he would step back from royal duties over the Jeffrey Epstein scandal. Prince Andrew said on Wednesday he would withdraw from his official role for the foreseeable future. Criticism of the prince's ties to the convicted US sex offender Epstein intensified amid a growing backlash following a BBC interview. The announcement that he would be stepping down from public duties, described by Buckingham Palace as a personal decision, was taken following discussions with the Queen and Prince Charles. And finally, according to the election, uh, the Electoral Commission, one in three young people has not yet registered to vote ahead of December's general election. Youth organisations such as the YMCA are campaigning to encourage young people to take part in the democratic process. The deadline to register to vote is the 26th of November, this Tuesday.
1: Thank you very much Annie. That was The Politics This Week. Quite a big day, week, but sorry, big week for politics this year, week. Uh, next we're going to have is the international news with Max Kendix.
4: international good afternoon in international news in ukraine ukrainian president volodymyr zelensky has said that there was no blackmail in a phone call with donald trump that is at the heart of a possible attempt to remove the u.s president from office the call prompted a whistleblower complaint and democratic impeachment inquiry of the republican president mr trump denies withholding us aid while pressuring ukraine to investigate political rival joe biden Speaking to reporters at a news conference in Kiev on Thursday, Mr Zelensky said of his 25th of July call with Mr Trump, there was no blackmail, it was not the subject of our conversation. He continued to say that the purpose of the conversation was to arrange a meeting with Trump and that there were no conditions from the American side. Mr Zelensky also said he does not believe US-Ukraine relations will be affected by the impeachment inquiry. Meanwhile, smoke from Australia's bushfires, bushfire crisis has blanketed the major cities of Sydney and Adelaide, In Sydney, locals woke on Thursday morning to smoke that appeared worse than a fire-driven haze that was seen on Tuesday. Health officials issued warnings as air quality surpassed hazardous levels, and some residents wore face masks. Fire conditions classified as severe or higher have affected all six states in the past week. Several states have faced catastrophic levels of danger. Since last month, six people have died in massive bushfires, which have caused the greatest damage in the eastern states of New South Wales and Queensland but South Australia and Victoria have seen the most danger this week as far as triggered emergency warnings. And in the last half an hour, Israel's Attorney General has charged Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu with bribery, fraud and breach of trust in three cases, the Justice Ministry has reported. Mr Netanyahu is alleged to have accepted gifts from wealthy businessmen and dispensed favours to try and get more positive press coverage. He has denied any wrongdoing and says he is the victim of a witch-hunt by his left-wing opponents and the media. He has insisted he will not resign, and he is not legally obliged to do so. This comes after the news that Benny Gantz, a centrist leader, admitted failure at building a majority coalition to run the country, making it more likely that Israel will see its third election in one year. Meanwhile in Thailand, Thailand's constitutional court on Wednesday disqualified outspoken opposition party leader Mr. Thanathorn as a member of parliament after finding him guilty of violating electoral law. Mr. Thamathorn has emerged as the most prominent opponent of a government headed by former hunter chief Priyoth Chanotcha after the for- future forward party came a surprise third in an election in March. The Constitutional Court found Thamathorn guilty of holding shares in a media company on the date his candidacy was registered for the election. The opposition leader denies breaking electoral laws. And finally, in Ethiopia, electoral officials in Ethiopia's ethnic Sidama region counted ballots on Thursday from a key referendum that many expect will endorse the carving out of a new federal state. The vote on Wednesday, which was carried out peacefully and without interventions from security forces, is seen as a critical test in a nation already struggling with community tensions. Analysts say it could inspire other groups to push for autonomy and redraw boundaries in Ethiopia, Africa's second most populous country with more than 100 million people. The Sidama push for autonomy already triggered days of unrest in July that left dozens dead and prompted the government to place Ethiopia's southern region under the control of soldiers and federal police. Results are expected to be announced later today or tomorrow.
1: Thank you very much, Max. That was the international news. Next up we're going to have is the Durham News, read by Luke Parr.
0: Durham News.
5: Well, Durham has been an absolute buffet of news over the last week with plenty of stories to pick from. First of all, the University and College Union announced last week that Durham University is set to face eight days of strikes from Monday the 25th of November to Wednesday the 4th of December. This announcement arrives in the aftermath of national legal disputes over pay and work conditions and pensions for academic staff. Durham isn't the only university affected. Around 60 universities in the UK will be influenced by this strike action unless universities respond positively and quickly. One dispute centres on changes to the University Superannuation Scheme, changes to which since 2011 have left a typical union member paying roughly £40,000 more into their pension throughout their career and receiving £200,000 less in retirement. Students across many departments will likely face class cancellations, but it is often only through robust action that progression is achieved. In further political news last Friday, approximately 200 Durham students participated in a climate protest against the university's existing sustainability policy. The Environmental Committee of Durham University and the Durham University Amnesty International led the protest, which garnered support from 19 other university societies. EcoDU has made 22 demands in response to the university's environmental policy addressing, among other issues, food waste, food sourcing and carbon sustainability. This year, Durham ranked 96th in the People and Planet University League, a table which rated universities by environmental and ethical performance. In response to an open letter by Amnesty International, University Vice Chancellor Stuart Corbridge promised that the university will work with student bodies on how initiatives to meet sustainability goals might be delivered. The university also recently established a task force to propose ambitious but realistic carbon reduction targets. <coughs> Moving on. St. Cuthbert's Hospice have opened their first clothing bank to try and generate more donations. The facility, based at Poplar Tree Garden Centre in Shincliffe, just outside the city, will become a base for distribution to the charity's eight shops across County Durham. The clothing bin was paid for by estate agent J.W. Wood and will go a long way to supporting the charity who provide valuable care to their patients. Volunteers from St. Cuthbert's will regularly collect the donations from the drop-off point, so if you receive a jumper not to your taste this Christmas, you know you might appreciate it. And finally, in what was playfully labelled by some as the Durham refugee crisis, students of Gray and Collingwood College were forced to evacuate their rooms on Tuesday evening after a power cut on the hill left it unsafe to sleep in college accommodation overnight. The power failure, which disabled the fire alarms in the college buildings, prompted students to spend their nights in a variety of creative ways. Some used it as an excuse to go on an extended night out, but many were sheltered by generous friends, and around 100 braved the chilly sports hall at Maiden Castle. Other Hill colleges were kind enough to open up the dining halls to feed the stray students in the evening, but thanks to the tireless nocturnal work of the staff, the power returned early on Wednesday morning and proceedings are back to normal. That's certainly a relief. Take it from me who was there at Maiden Castle first hand. Exercise mats are daunting enough at the best at times, and don't make for the comfiest of mattresses, especially when you have to share them with an appallingly loud snorer. Thank you very much, that's all from me.
1: Thank you very much. Um Look and for that very uh, honest portrayal of an apparently harrowing night in Reading Castle. Next <laughs> up, we're going to have is What's on in Durham with Ellie Tats. What's
0: on in Durham?
6: Industrial action to begin Monday, 25th of November. An eight-day strike is to commence on Monday, the 25th of November, due to conflicts over pensions and pay cuts. Staff across the university from numerous departments will be taking part in the strike. Students from Gray and Collingwood College evacuated. Students from the colleges were evacuated to Maiden Castle overnight due to college-wide power cuts. Students were advised to find accommodation among livers out or in the sports hall. Durham University climate strike. On the 15th of November students gathered outside the Bill Bryson library to protest against the university's failure to tackle climate issues. The peaceful protest arose after claims that the university was not meeting its targets on sustainability. Team Durham Dance will be hosting the first Durham Dance Fusion. On the 23rd of November, university teams from across the UK will be competing in numerous styles at the Durham Student Union. Durham University Fashion Show hosting blind dates with the 2020 models on Thursday the 28th of November, 8pm at Revolution Durham. Updates from Durham Student Theatre. Dulog's production of Company showing until the 23rd of November. Sondheim's groundbreaking modern musical presents Robert attempting to understand the pros and cons of marriage from his diverse and hilarious friends. Matinee and evening performances are available until the 23rd of November at the Assembly Rooms Theatre. Model and performer auditions for Durham Student Theatre's fashion show. As part of well-being at Centre Stage 2020, Durham Student Theatre will be hosting their own fashion show, exhibiting the many props and costumes used throughout their productions. Auditions will be held from 12pm on the 22nd of November.
1: Thank you very much, Ali. That was the What's On in Durham News. Next up we're going to have is a discussion of for the story of the week into the UCU um, strikes. Um, well, also we're going to look at that very, uh, that election campaign debate which did raise a lot of controversy. So, it is going to be our um, head of newsfeed, Billy Payne, and Natasha are going to be discussing this debate first up.
0: Story of the week. Hello, everyone. So, we got a double feature this week, like I said, a general election uh, debate and the strikes. So, firstly, general election debate, it was on. of those, one of these days. Tuesday, I think, yes. Tuesday. Um, So it was Boris versus Corbyn, was was it two
4: hours long?
7: It was an hour and then it was on a celebrity and then it was the four others.
0: Uh, Oh, that's not too bad. Yes. Um, (laughs) uh, So, the main points, it was just Boris and Corbyn, Uh, main points was that uh, Boris Johnson was campaigning on Let's Get Brexit Done, he said that a fair few times, (laughs) Uh, promising that by December 2020 we're gone and we have a trade deal sorted. However, Corbyn said that this would take seven years, and Boris was hesitant to answer. Equally, when Corbyn was asked about whether he would back a Leave or Remain campaign, he chose choose to say that he would only he would represent the British people. His view was irrelevant. Uh, other topics were the nature of truth in the election, whether politics is even trustworthy anymore. And the NHS was a big topic about how much is actually going in. Is it 40 hospitals? Is it four? Is it six? There was a lot of numbers thrown around, and then there was something about a Christmas tree. At the end, what would they leave under the Christmas tree for each other?
7: Yeah, that was really that bizarre. Was
0: really, <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, so Corbyn went Christmas Carol, didn't he? And Boris went his Brexit deal and then went jam.
7: Yeah, yeah. He just It was meant to be a non, non-political non question and Boris was just not cooperating. <laughs> he just
0: went straight for Brexit deal and yeah. then it went like... And then he said jam and then he quietly went, but my jam's really good. Like, he yeah. really quietly said it. Anyway, so... Big question, who came out best, do you think? Do you think anyone came out a winner, objectively? Like, regardless politics, do you think anyone came out speaking the best, or was it all just...
7: Yeah, I don't know, <laughs> I, I didn't finish it, Um, you know, thinking that there was a clear winner. It just kind of no. seemed like, they were just sort of rattling out answers that we've kind of heard before. I didn't feel like we learned anything new. Um, And Boris always kind of performs in the same way. So he kind of behaved as you would expect him to very much in character. And then Corbyn, I thought Corbyn spoke well, um, but again, like it's kind of, you know, Boris is such a showman. So if people like that. He's
0: the exact opposite. He doesn't, he's not about theatrics. Yeah. He's very just like matter of fact, like we'll say what it is and like, like, even when, you know, usually in debates when someone says, if they're both showmen, some if someone says something outrageous, they'll react outrageously. Yeah. He'd, like, call them out and call them and just look down at a piece of paper. Yeah. Like, he was very methodical about it all.
7: Yeah, and we have to think, is, is he doing that now? Because he's kind of always been a bit like that, but is he deliberately yeah. doing that now to try and, you know, challenge all the arguments that Boris is, you know, a charlatan and he's a serious politician? Is he doing that on purpose? Or is he just a little bit more boring? I don't know.
0: Yeah, it's <laughs> all, so, I don't know. I don't think anyone was, like, you know, like standout winner or loser. No one made like complete, both of them, you know, weren't perfect.
7: Yeah, and no, no one made any sort of serious gaffes. Um, yeah. It was a kind of a bit of a non, non-event, non I think I'd say. Yeah, I w- and um, also,
0: I was, that's what I was gonna get onto. Did you know there's like six others?
7: Oh, uh, really? There's a
0: lot, there's, there's <laughs> two, que- there's a question time special tomorrow.
7: I did not know that. With
0: every single leader. Oh. Not just those Including two. Including Nigel. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's Nigel. I, I know hope not. I know <laughs> Joe <Jocelyn's> Swift <laughs> there and I know Nicola Sturgeon's there. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, there's loads more. And I'm just thinking, nothing really happened, did it?
7: No, and I, I think <laughs> it is just going to probably be, if, yeah, the six to come, just be a reiteration of, yeah, slogans. you think the debates
0: are losing. they like, because, like, no, nothing happened. Like, it's not, it didn't, I don't think it changed anything really. Everyone. Corbyn came across how he's always come across in every debate. Boris came across how he's always come across. In yeah, every and
7: I think with the way that Brexit has been dragging on and on, I feel like politicians and they kn- they've known that this election is coming for a long time. So I feel like they've been in campaign mode mm. for so long that I don't haven't even really felt a shift in the way that they're portraying themselves. You know, it's like you've seen Boris Johnson's Twitter. He's been doing all this. You know, he's been, like
0: eating fish and chips. Uh, and yeah, like he's been doing this
7: propaganda them. stuff for ages now. So <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know if. if Yeah, this sort of election campaign, it doesn't seem to be any different to just the way that politics has been Mm. operating, you know, arguably just within this sort of bubble um, of, you know, just people just talking all the time in this echo chamber stuff gets thrown about and then we don't actually move forward. So it'll be interesting to see.
0: Yeah, I don't really, it was interesting. Uh, It is a bit of a non-event, but I think it was still yeah, it was still quite. I liked
7: that they put I'm a Celebrity after. that yeah, was, that a, was nice <laughs> a nice relief. <laughs> yeah, because we had at my house we had um, uh, pints and politics. That was the evening event. Um, so we all had some wine, watched um, the uh, two leaders, and then watched I'm a Celeb. Kate and Jenna, by the way, did really Incredible. well. Incredible. It was amazing. She had um, was it snakes? She I had think? snakes,
0: and who was who had the bugs? Someone else. Oh there? yeah, or was that Kate?
7: I can't remember. No, it was someone else because she didn't do a challenge. But yeah, they had like the cockroaches, like oh, all going all hair. in their ears. I mean, oh, Ugh.
0: absolutely awful. Kevin Jettabrady.
7: She's actually seventy. I know. I I, this, I had this conversation the other day because I would I would have put her at like fifty, but Same, no. Same. I
0: was going like mid fifties. Yeah. yeah, that's mad.
7: Yeah, and then after that, then it was the four and uh, Joe Swinson. I actually thought came across really well. I have not watched
0: the. Yeah, I, I, I thought it. she was came, it all of them. So it was Farage. It sh- was
7: um oh, I think it was four people, but it was definitely it was Joe Swinson and then uh, it was Nicola Sturgeon and then Nigel and then maybe oh um, uh, Green Party the Green Party uh, person. Caroline Lucas. No, it's di- I think it's changed. Oh, it's not uh, Well, yet. it wasn't her, so I don't know. Oh, okay. um, well, anyway, uh, but I thought Joe Swinson came across very, very well. Mm. Um, yes, yeah, so that would be my mm. comment on that.
0: Big election takeaway. Stri- yeah. Do you want me to move on to strikes?
7: Indeed,
1: we can move on to strikes.
0: Oh, okay, so strikes are apparently going ahead next week. Oh, looking, looking like it at the yeah, moment, eight yes. Days.
1: Indeed, so starting on Monday, and mm. then running through to Wednesday, the following yeah. Wednesday, so Monday to Friday, and then Monday to Wednesday.
0: Uh, it's main, So, what are the main causes? What are the Because I've heard so many different things. I just want. It's probably good for clarification for anyone listening.
1: Yeah. So, I think really, obviously, this has been the strike in twenty eighteen, um, which is kind of a, you know for, for myself. That means two years of now I'm going to be affected, um, which is unfortunate. But their main sort of si- situation, I will. Can their main thing is that they're going to have paying uh, through evaluations, that 40000 thousand 40, pound more is going into pensions, but they're going to receive maybe almost two hundred thousand pound less in retirement. Yeah. That's a, you know yeah, that's incredibly significant. significant. Mm. Um, also, things like they're being asked to do ab- above and beyond their contract, things like casualisation, um, and sort of you know their working conditions and things like this. Um, and this has been an ongoing dispute. It's not a you know a thing yeah. that's just coming out of the blue. This has been going on since uh, 2011 or something right. around this. And uh, it seems uh, you know
0: because my brother who was in a university in Scotland got affected for weeks as yeah. a of strikes right, when he was at uni. Yeah. That's yeah. the thing. So
1: you know it's been going on for for a good while. And and obviously it's a very personal matter for lecturers and strike mm. um, for anyone involved. Um. I think you know it's. I think students do need to show solidarity with it. and I think yeah, a big angle that a lot of lectures and seminars have, uh, teachers have been going is that they're not just doing this on their own behalf. They're doing it on the behalf of that. If you or anyone sh- interested in academia, people who are currently master students or PhD students who are currently you know studying at the university um, across the UK and they want to go into teaching, they're also being affected. This is you know it's not just about them currently. Yeah. It's about the future of education. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I think it, it's just, it's obviously, it's f- unfortunate the, that the people get affected the most are the students.
0: Yeah, that's what I was gonna get onto because there has been a lot of controversy surrounding it, obviously, mm-hmm. people saying like, you know, oh, is it fair that you know, I'm paying X amount of money yeah. for education and then a week of that education is not there. Exactly. Pretty much, you know, are we being tested on it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Do you think it's, like, we're getting onto it, like, do you think it's justified do you think the controversy is justified to an extent? As in, people—do people have a right to be angry, or should it be more of a like standing in solidarity thing?
1: Well, that's the thing. Like, I, like, I can understand the frustration of students. Yeah, like, as you here. said, nine thousand point, fifty pound—heck of a lot of
0: money—and <laughs> like, if you divide it into weeks, we are actually here. Exactly. And if this is one, in, like, a week and a bit.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like eight days. Uh, it doesn't sound like much, but in the grand scheme of things, if, especially yeah. with our kind of university, you're only in here for you know a matter of weeks, really, yeah. and that contributes to hundreds of pounds that's going to be lost and for me I think I the real question I would pose is how are the universities going to compensate students in that field is I think that reflection needs to be taken off the lectures and that animosity come off them and towards the university and saying I agree
0: that that there's the if there is going to be argument if there is going to be like people having discussion about Mm -hmm. it or kind of like talking about or asking for something it shouldn't be going towards the lecturers because the whole point is that they're not getting the money to exactly. do that right now and it should probably be directed towards the university and other universities because i know i have friends who are in universities in london right now they're also striking yeah. yeah no it's so. being
1: affected by over it's like 60 universities this mm. is not um just a like it's uh, not just that like us thing it's a you know it's a national um issue um and i think yeah i think that's the thing like where are Where's that, where's that money going to go? Like, why is that going to be used in funding? I know for us, the 2018 funding strike money was now being put into uh, mental health, uh, of okay, uh, course, good. that was being put through, which is fantastic. The only thing on that is, obviously, that's a great service to have, but unfortunately, um, um, unfortunately, that it is going to be the issue in that we actually aren't going to see that money. The week. Um, we are going to see that money during our time here
8: mm, that's um, true.
1: that only came through this year and that was in 2018 so that was you know that happened two years ago when it's only getting that money now and um, so how like tangibly are they going to affect you also have to think about people who are doing uh, like this is their you know second year or third year things that count within their degree how are they going to be assessed are they yeah, going to remove that material point. things like that and I think the students have been kept a wee bit in the dark at the moment. Like, yeah. it's Thursday, strike happened on Monday. We haven't been. I don't. I don't really
0: know who's who's there, who's not, what's happening. It's all a bit up in the air. It's. I think that they do very much. The, the staff do very much have the right to like not say because it's obviously it's a personal matter above anything else. But yeah, I don't really know at the moment.
7: My um, lecturer said to me um, that what they want, um, well, what they think the best thing for students to do is to write to the Vice-Chancellor and say that, you know, because the main thing is that they, we need to be upset in Mm -hmm. at the university, as you're saying, not at the lecturers. And then so the the best way, the most productive way that if we want to help them and and make the strike have the biggest impact and then hopefully it won't happen again, which is what we all want, you know, in the long term, is to write to the Vice-Chancellor just saying, you know, how much the strike has disrupted your education. Um, and how you really want the university to act. So I think as students, that's the most productive and useful way you can respond to the strike rather than, you know, obviously it's upsetting we're all losing contact hours, but, yeah, not directing it at the lecturers, directing it at the vice-chancellor.
1: Definitely. And all that, you can even, even e- like, email your MP. Like exercise yeah. your democratic right, that was another thing, or um, a member who was a UCU member from a lecturer said, you know, email your MP, like, they're, you know, they have a right to speak on our behalf. Um, and I know, um, I can't, don't, I don't exactly remember which provost it was, but someone replied back saying, you know, this is more than just our university issue, it's a wide university issue, but that doesn't mean that they don't have a responsibility to respond to yeah. our specific university. They can't just take the burden off and say, oh, well, it's a national issue.
0: You can't really come to us, yeah, okay. You.
1: you have to, I, like, I feel they have a duty of responsibility to this university, Durham itself. Um, to sort out th- their issues on their basis, you know, just because every other university hasn't, you know, gr- agreed on something doesn't mean they can't. Cool.
0: But yeah, uh, I think that's it from me. Yeah, uh, yeah uh, thank you very much for letting me have a wee chin wag. Yes, so that was <laughs> the
1: uh, story of the week um, with Philippe Payton again and Natasha Livingstone, my co heading of Um Next up, we're going to have is the Business News with Helen Poon.
0: Business News.
9: Thanks Naomi, hi, I'm Helen, I'm Helen, and these are today's biggest business headlines. Google is going to tighten its restrictions on political advertising. UK government borrowing last month reached its highest level since 2014. And fresh warning on global economic slowdown from the OECD. But our first story tonight is that Google has decided to tighten its global restrictions on political advertising. The expansion uh, applies to political campaigns that target individuals based on their inferred political views. Soon, political groups will only be allowed to target their adverts based on age, gender, and approximate location. This restriction is currently already in place in the UK and the EU, but will be extended uh, worldwide by January 2020, potentially creating big implications for the US presidential vote. Google will also rewrite the circumstances in which it will remove adverts for making false claims, but the ban will not extend to matters of opinion. Google's dealings with misinformation directly contrasts with Facebook's where Mark Zuckerberg has stated that he would not fact check adverts from political campaigns, but would prohibit misinformation about voting and not allow ads which contain previously debunked uh, myths by third party pack- fact checkers. Next up, the UK's uh, the UK government's borrowing has risen to its highest level in five years, according to the Office for National Statistics. New figures uh, show that borrowing hit 11.2 billion last month, 2.3 billion more than last year. This is much higher than economists' expectations and is likely to rise further, after next month's election, as all major parties have made highly expensive pledges in their manifestos. Total borrowing this financial year uh, from April is now at uh, 46.3 billion pounds and UK total net debt is at 1,798.5 billion pounds, or 80% of GDP. Major parties are now promising further spending on health, schooling, policing and infrastructure ahead of the general election on the 12th of December. Our last story tonight is that the OECD has released a new report warning of risks to the global economic outlook. Its forecasts are still around 3% economic growth, but risks are rising. The report claims that a lack of direction on climate policy is holding back business investment, the OECD, says that extreme weather events could lead to disruption of economic activity and could inflict long lasting damage on capital and land. It uh, could also lead to what the report calls disorderly migration flows. Uh, the, there is clearly a long term challenge for governments to address these issues but the OECD says that this is already impacting business investment. and the market data. The FTSE 100 lost 0.72% this today, but the pound remained steady, falling 0.03% against the dollar and with no change against the euro. That's all from me. Back to you, Naomi.
1: Thank you very much, Helen. That was the business news. Next up we're going to have is the music with Diyadu.
0: Music.
8: Hello everyone, this is Dia here bringing this week's music news to you guys. So with the world's growing concerns towards environmental issues, the popular British rock band Coldplay has announced that they will not go on tour for their new album Everyday Life until their shows are completely carbon neutral. The lead singer singer Chris Martin said that the band is taking time over the next year or two to work out how their tours can not only be sustainable but how can it be actively beneficial. Coldplay's last tour was in 2016-2017 to for their album A Head Full of Dreams, which they played 122 shows around the world. They hope their next tour will be the best possible version of a tour like that environmentally. Chris said that the band would be disappointed if it's not carbon neutral, and currently the hardest thing for them is the flying side. The lead singer addressed the band's dream is to have a show with no single-use plastic and to have it largely solar-powered. Apart from Coldplay, other big-ticket artists have addressed carbon emissions and environmental impact at their shows in recent months. For example, uh, Billie Eilish pledged that her next tour starting in March will be as green as possible with a ban on plastic straws and eco village with climate education r- resources set up at every venue Th- and also the 1975 have pledged to plant a tree for every ticket sold to their shows and have stopped producing new merchandise t-shirt instead screen uh, instead screen printing new designs on recycled t-shirt However, there will still be two more chances to catch Coldplay in concert before they take a break from live performing to celebrate everyday life's release. The band will perform a two-part concert in Jordan that will be live streamed on YouTube, and on November the 25th, they will host a charity concert, concert at London's Natural History Museum. And also moving on to the coming t- 2020 Grammy Awards, the nominations for the 62nd Annual Grammy Award have been announced with Lizzo and Billie Eilish sweeping the big four categories. And the 17-year-old pop sensation Billie Eilish received a nod in each of the four top top four categories with the with her hit single uh, Bad Guy, nominated for both Song of the Year and Record of the Year, and the chart-topping album When We Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go for the album prize, and herself for the Best New Artist. The most nominations were for Lizzo, who received eight, including the top four categories, nominated for her album Cause I Love You, and her hit song Truth Hurts. Um, British British singer Lewis Capaldi also received a Sound of the Year nomination for his mega-hit single Someone You Loved. Arguably, some of the most surprising nominees in the Album of the Year category include Vampire Weekend for their album Father of the Bride and Leonas X for his album Seven. And that's it for the music news this week.
1: Thank you very much, Dean. It's fantastic to hear so much um, activism being done by the artists within the industry at the moment. So, next up we're going to have is the entertainment news with Billy Payne.
4: Entertainment.
0: Hello, everyone. So, uh, in entertainment news this week, it's been a lot about films. Specifically, a big, big thing about superhero films, actually. Uh, the big piece of trending news yesterday was that there's potentially going to be a follow-up sequel to Joker, the movie that released this year, which also this week is the first R-rated movie to pass $1 billion in the box office. Uh, The sequel announced will uh, retain director Todd Phillips, and also, apparently, in talks, Joaquin Phoenix is set to return to the role as the Joker. This also with the news that the director will potentially take on two more movies concerning big supervillains trying to give them a more deep dive and gritty story. Uh, many are praising the decision, uh, obviously because a lot of people clearly liked Joker, but some are condemning it because they wanted to keep the movie as a solo story. Coincidentally, a big news story this week, again revolving superhero films which blew up on Twitter, is that uh, people are calling for a director's cut of the 2017 film Justice League after the there was a mass studio interference on the movie. The director was originally Zack Snyder, uh, but he had to leave the project due to a family tragedy. And as a result, the studio changed the movie entirely. But two years later, uh, Zack Snyder has confirmed that there is a cut of the movie, which he has made and he has finished all the CGI on. And he is announcing that he wants to release it with uh, several of his co-stars, including Ben Affleck, uh, Gal Gadot, and Jason Murr also wanting the project to go forwards. Uh, as Bruce mentioned, the Grammy nominations have come out and uh, there's been a big controversy at the moment because bts the k-pop band have had zero nominations and it has called for several crit was well, called for a lot of critique over the fact that the grammys have a cultural blind spot only focusing on american artists uh, uh in the other uh, awards news ricky gervais has confirmed he is hosting the 2020 golden globes for the final time and he's confirmed it's going to be his biggest and most offensive he said "Show sure, yeah <laughs> so we'll see how that goes that'll be interesting Um, and yeah there's mostly just a lot of film news Uh, big thing is that in Apple have had to cancel the premiere of their new movie The Banker over concerns which have been left quite vague Uh, The Banker is based on a true story True, true story based around uh, the beginning of. In the 60s, and obviously, that. Was, so I think that <laughs> the concerns are mainly about the safety of the film, considering it's quite a delicate topic, some would say. And yeah, that's mainly in terms of entertainment news. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you very much, Billy, there with the entertainment news. Very busy in the world of um, headlines from entertainment. And last up, we're going to have is the trending news with Natasha
7: Livingston. Hashtag Sack Rachel Riley has been trending after the British television presenter and mathematician wore a t shirt depicting the leader of the Labour Party carrying a poster which has been photoshopped to read Jeremy Corbyn is a racist endeavour. The original photo, taken in 1984, captures the moment Corbyn was arrested while protesting the South African apartheid. However, the real message on the Labour leader's placard, which read Defend the right to protest against apartheid, join this picket, has been replaced on Miss Riley's top. Sharing a photo of herself, she wrote on Twitter, I didn't feel comfortable knowing my workplace was to be full of racists tonight. I don't endorse Boris, but I do endorse hashtag never Corbyn. Please see my pinned thread if you still don't understand why. Hashtag leaders debate, hashtag Labour anti-Semitism. Famous for appearing on the Channel 4 show Countdown, Riley has faced widespread calls to resign over her decision. Summarising the uh, views on Twitter, at Wokest of Scrolls tweeted, Rachel Riley is calling Jeremy Corbyn a racist by editing a picture of him fighting against racism. Okay, mate. Hashtag DragUSUK is trending tonight as the final looms. Over the past eight weeks, drag queens The Vivian, uh, Davina De Campo and Bagger Chips have been put to the test by television personality RuPaul to determine who should be named the UK's first drag race superstar. This evening on the BBC, the nation will discover who will receive the coveted crown as well as the opportunity to star in their own series in Hollywood. I, for one, am very excited. Finally, hashtag start an argument in four words is trending on Twitter, playing on how easily people get into spats on the platform. So to end the show, I thought we could try a few now and see whether we can get into any arguments. The first thing is, um, one account shared an image of a Jaffa cake box with four, with the four word caption, Definitely not a biscuit. What do we think?
0: Jaffa cake is a biscuit. If it goes in the tea, it's a biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good rule
7: of thumb, I guess. But it's so soggy. It's like it's like mm. a, a biscuit that's, you know, it has gone a bit salty. stale. It is close to it, but it's it, got if, a filling. It, uh, but then custard creams have a, have a filling, so that was a, that it's,
0: was a poor argument. It's just, I. <laughs> I don't care it's it goes in tea you're never putting like you know anything else other than a biscuit in tea if it's going in tea it's a biscuit it
1: reminds me of you know like, like those again like, uh, not mars bar but you know those like fuel bars that you mm. get that have like a bit of jelly in them having a chocolate coating like it's really hitting that ambiguous line yeah. i don't
8: know
1: there's Ooh. also that with the uh jamaica cake is it a cake or is it a, a pudding? I've never had
7: that. I've
9: That's never. It's very
7: good. Are you sure this isn't... Is this just a or No, I mean, this is a campaign. This oh. Was a
1: campaign. They
7: did. And oh! It was Jamaica cake. Is it a bread or is it a, p- I a, cake a pudding? I mm-hmm. see. Very, very controversial. So the mm. next one is a bit more serious. Um, Four-word caption. Epstein didn't kill himself. What do we think about that?
0: He didn't. <laughs> I don't... There's so... There's so much like.
7: This is all personal opinion. <laughs> yeah, obviously. <laughs> from,
0: uh, yeah, there's so much skepticism, and there's so much not said that I'm a bit like, eh.
1: I think what's one we'll never ever know. Yeah, I don't I agree. think. Also, do we
7: need to know? Um, but, yeah, I think it's one of those, you know, everyone loves a conspiracy theory. Yeah, and it, and it is, you know, it's one of those cases. So this obviously refers to, um, uh, is it Jeffrey? Jeffrey, Jeffrey, yeah, Jeffrey. Epstein, who, um, yeah. Apparently, hang himself. Well, that's the story that he hang, hung himself in prison. Um, but some people are suspicious that this is not actually what happened due to um, all of the dodgy things that he was involved in. Um, but yeah, I think it's one of those things people love to talk about. It, they love to speculate, and probably fundamentally because we will never know. So it's kind of one yeah, of those arguments that can keep running on, and no it one can ever Netflix be right. Documentary probably it. will. Two months documentary. Okay, next one. Do audiobooks really count?
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah, Okay. Yes. So say that there's a certainty
1: because it's getting me through my degree right now. Yeah. The power of audiobooks, also, they are great, just from a welfare perspective, they are great for accessibility. Um, and I think the university is actually being, well, our um, undergraduate representative for the Students' Union is actually being trying to provoke to get more audiobooks for students. Because um, for students who aren't able to, so I'm not that fast at processing re- material, I read it, I'm quite a slow reader, so it takes me forever to read a book. Um, so I normally get the audiobook and I listen to it while I read it, and it forces me to be quicker. But uh, I can also listen to it when I'm like making my dinner, and it's making me more time efficient. I actually get to do my reading for my seminars, which is lovely. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think on the basis that I understand, I, I actually I don't understand. What's the argument against it?
0: That it's not maybe it's not on paper. You're not like you're the not, process yeah. of reading yeah. is moving your eyes along. I guess the I guess you maybe
1: you're moving away yeah. from that traditional reading. You may be losing yeah. that skill, but I feel if it keeps people engaged with literature, like you're still learning vocabulary, you're still picking up the nuances of language. I think that especially if it's special definitely for like a accessibility point of view, I think they're fantastic.
7: I for one listen to audiobooks to go to sleep. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I think in that but then there's maybe then people would say they don't count because but then I guess you do also read to go to sleep, don't you? Mm-hmm. So yes, they I think they count. Okay. Um, final one. Uh, Shakespeare's not that great
6: he's pretty
0: good <laughs> he's pretty good
1: he did he did do bits um yeah. uh, some th-
0: would say he was a good author controversial. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
1: I, <laughs> I think the fact that he's lasted pff, 500 years um you know and the fact that he's still foundational to most if you look at any uh, like a lot of current common tropes within films, right. so many mean mini- remakes, as well you know, so many big, you know, big movies like that are completely based on Shakespearean tropes. Now, oh. uh, the real question is, was it the one person or with?
8: Uh, yes, uh, yes. yes. that's not four words, yeah. But yeah go on.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Shakespeare, one or not? Yeah. There you go. There's your four words. <laughs> um, that's the next conspiracy um, theory. Because I don't know. I don't know yeah. how one man could write all of those sonnets and all those plays in one lifetime. You only also wrote it over a of te- like, me, mostly a 10 year period. Mm. Really? Yeah,
7: I also read an article the other day saying that so, there it's only, you know, now realizing how many words in the English language have come from Shakespeare. Mm. Mm. Um,
0: <laughs>
6: really, yeah, yeah,
7: like so many things that like the more you read into, when you start to look for it, so many um, phrases and words um, originated from Shakespeare. So yeah, whether great or not, I think important is definitely, definitely. he is. Yeah. Um, even though yeah, maybe it wasn't just also, him.
0: <laughs> so um, if you don't say he's important, like everything's based on. You have to say the Lion King isn't good because the Lion King <laughs> exactly. is just Hamlet.
1: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs>
7: That's the
1: thing. Where you draw the line? I think <laughs> you have to give him some credit where credit's due. <laughs> Um, so I think that's all we have time for for this newsfeed show. Thank you all very much for listening in. Um, and please also watch out for our new discussion show by the news team. It's called Seven Days. It's kind of like a Newsbeat 5 Live. It'll be a platform for Purple Radio's news team alongside guests from Durham societies and sports to come and voice their opinion on topics ranging from serious to lighthearted, political to intriguing. Uh, p- episodes will be available every weekend on Spotify and Apple Music on the Purple Radio News Team heading. You can also stay tuned to our Facebook page, Purple Radio, for the new seems status interviews and podcasts and a recording of this show, just so you can listen back to all the best bits. That's all from us tonight. Um, thank you again for listening, and please tune in again from the same time, 5 to 6 o'clock next week, for your weekly news updates. I'm Naomi Clark. Have a good evening.
9: This is Purple Radio. Follow us on Instagram and Snapchat at Purple Radio UK.